Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So we were looking for places. We ended up finding a place that we could do on Christmas Eve. But Book came in and said, wait a minute. On Christmas Eve, what I've noticed is this kind of stress, especially for the people that are helping to put it on, setting up, tearing down, because you're trying to get everything done so you can get to be with your family. So it's like this rush thing for us to worship together. And Christmas Eve can become one of these routines, these traditions you just do because, well, it's Christmas Eve. I got to go somewhere for Christmas Eve. We have to do Christmas Eve. That's just what we do. But we miss why we're doing it. So, and we have friends that will have Christmas Eve services starting on like the 20th, the 21st, the 20th. And I thought, what if we did it on the 23rd so that we could keep the 24th open for family? And then the 23rd, we don't have to be so crunched with time. We can spend time together, but especially spend time together worshiping and, and getting in the right frame of mind about what Christmas Eve is, which is the fact that the light came into the world. So that's why we're doing it on the 23rd. We're doing it down at the casino down in San Clemente. And um, kids program, the whole usual thing. But that's why. And um, we did it at 6. So most people get off work and plenty of time to get there. Um, so that's why we're doing it. So I wanted to be the one to share that with you. Kim was like, oh, I've got someone to share it. And I was like, no, no, I want to share it. So that's why I did uh, With those connection cards, if you have any needs, prayers, or especially if you're just not connected. We're going to talk a lot about that in the new year. But if you're like, I don't really know anybody, you should be filling out that card. Because we will try to help to get you connected. If you're like, uh, I'm still freaked. I still want to be invisible. Don't fill out that card. Or fill out that card and know that you're wasting our time because we're going to call you, connect with you, and you're going to ignore us. So if you want to do that, just to test us, you can do that too. <laughs> so I had, um, so the plan for this month with all the craziness going on in our family and the health stuff, um, my friends at, um, at different churches were like, we got every Sunday, we, we'll cover it for you. And so it was all together, and I was sitting with Steph, and she said, you know what? We have so many people at our church that have something to say. And these people that are coming are great speakers and communicators, and they love God, and they love his word, and, they, and, and we would grow, but... This is a great opportunity for the people in our church to share, to be the ones that testify to the light. And um, when your wife speaks, you listen, especially when she's smart. And so as I thought through that, I was like, okay, that sounds, it, it just, it started to settle in that that's what we should do. So all of this month, we're going to have different people from the church coming up here and sharing, especially focused on the theme of let there be light which is from Genesis, but is all through the word. And I have, <clears throat> I had such an amazing sermon planned for you this morning. Good 40, 45 minutes long, <laughs> going from Genesis into John, get a little first John in there, then we're going to even hit Revelation. I mean, we're hitting from beginning to end, right? But I know who's coming up to share. And I thought, what typically happens is, is I give them a certain amount of time to share, and then I go along, and the people doing the music at the end are like, all right, we can do half of the last song. So, and they don't even know this, but I just changed everything even this morning, because I know what they're going to share, and 
So I want to have a l- less of me and more of them sharing. But um, open up to John 8, because that is going to be the, the core theme of what we're doing. And when we talk about light, it's one of those, it's a vague concept, right? Light. Can't really put your hand on it. You can kind of feel it. You can see it, obviously. But what does it mean? Um, and I, I thought of this instance when I was a kid. Um, like many of you grew up relatively poor. And my mom was dating a guy that was in the Navy. And he moved to Jacksonville. And so we, living in San Diego, had to go out to meet him. Some guy I didn't even know, a guy named Jim. And so we had this little Datsun pickup, pickup truck. Um, what did Datsun turn into? Nissan? Nissan? Okay. <clears throat> so we had a little Datsun truck. Uh, we eventually got a little shell on the back of it for this trip. But my mom said, we're going to drive across the country. She, she's so awesome. She turns this horrible situation into this adventure. Yay! Let's drive the Datsun across the country. Have you seen the Datsuns? Have you seen them around, those little tiny trucks? Like when I'm a kid, it seemed big. Like I was 8, 9, 10, somewhere around that range. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. But it's like, I can't believe we took that truck. So we went across, and she had kind of marked out all these places we were going to go. And a lot of it had to do with camping, because that's what we could afford. So I'm like the king of KOAs. But we went to this one park that wasn't a KOA, but we got there at night. And it was, I don't know, like a day or two into the trip. And we got there, and I'm, you know, 9, 10. And it was scary, because it was black. Like, I mean, we're, we're at a... We're in the outdoors, in a camping situation, that there were no stars. I don't know if it was the, what the story was, but it was black. And I, so we're in, we didn't even have a tent. We couldn't even afford a tent. So we're sitting outside, like in these sleeping bags with pillows. And I'm like, oh, you know, bears, snakes, scorpions. I don't know. I'm a kid. You know, I've seen movies. I've seen Indiana Jones. So I'm out there. And then all of a sudden, um, I eventually fall asleep. I, I can't stay awake out of fear anymore. I fall asleep. And when I wake up, the light had shown up. And the light hit this wall. We were in Zion National Park. I was like, oh, I'm eight or nine. You're not supposed to appreciate beauty like that. But it was, if you've never been there, you gotta go. And I remember taking Steph for the first time. I was so giddy to take her because of that moment when we were in the darkness and the light came and showed me a beauty that was there the whole time that I missed. And I mean, it's not just, oh, that's pretty. I mean, it's like, <gasps> like when I, t- I, I, I can't wait when I take people into Yosemite. Oh, I heard Yosemite sees, cool, I should see some pictures. I'm like, no, 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 just, just when, we, when we do the turn, I just want you to see it. Like there's beauty, but I missed it. That night I was in fear. I was in complete paralyzing fear. I, I might have gotten like an hour and a half of sleep. I'm not sure how it worked out. But then the light came and all the fear just left. And it was nothing but beauty. That's what light, that's one of the things that light can do. And during this season, this is a time where we're supposed to celebrate that the light of the world came. Right? And yet, there is no time during the year where you are more stressed You're supposed to know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is is that Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come. The light has come into the world. The beauty has shown and the darkness has left. And yet, you're not fearless. You're freaking out. 
How many of you are like, ah, I gotta get this present, where am I gonna get the money for this? Oh my gosh, I've gotta see my family, I've gotta deal with this. And you don't need me to give you the stats, you don't need to give me the stories of how devastating this season is. It doesn't make sense, does it? But what we wanna challenge you to do is during this season, when the darkness comes in, darkness and fear, you can put them together because the fear comes in. Steph and I were dealing with fear last night, praying through it, talking about the fear. Fear comes. But fear and love cannot occupy the same space. Darkness and light cannot occupy the same space. And so what I want to do now is I want to invite um, my friend Jacob. And Jake, you're, t- you're used to hearing his crazy spider um, uh, battleship uh, enemies coming, dropping in, you know, marine stories. But this is different. <laughs> and um, so he, we talked through this about the light coming in and, and revealing and, and, and showing you the beautiful. But the beautiful isn't always what you think it is. So I'll hand it over to Jake and he'll share with you when he saw the light. Uh, you know, when God shines a light on something in my life, uh, you know, for a lot of people, that's like this awe-inspiring experience. Like, they're, it's beautiful. It's 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 nice. For me, it's typically really painful, and I think it's because I'm so stubborn. God usually like hits me over the head with a baseball bat. That's what it feels like, kind of. Um, and uh, there was one particular time in my life that actually was before I started Nuru. I, I work for an organization that tries to eradicate extreme poverty in, in some really tough places in Africa. And I, I got to that place because I was a, I used to be a Marine, and I saw a connection between the desperation that poverty creates and how it's uh, causing the spread of terrorism and wanted to do something about that. So when I left the Marine Corps, I came back here uh, trying to figure out what to do, and I had a really great community that I, that I developed here. Some pretty amazing uh, people like Boog and, and I, several other people in this room that I began to develop a deep friendship with, and I really started to grow in my faith. It was a really incredible time, very powerful time in my life. And uh, as I was trying to figure out how to build this kind of new organization to fight poverty, I realized that I, I had no idea what I was doing, and I kind of needed to go to school to learn how to do it. And so I decided to go to business school, and uh, it was a tough decision for me because I, I knew I was going to have to leave my community here, you know, my good friends, my, my, uh, my brothers and sisters that had helped me grow over time. But I decided to go. I packed up um, everything I had, which basically fit in my little Volkswagen bug um, at the time. And I drove, to, uh, I drove up north to Northern California to go to school to start to, to build this organization. And, you know, when I went up there, I, I found myself in a community that was, was very different. Um, the business school community is a real, uh, for any of you that have been, it's pretty much a party scene, uh, pretty hardcore. And I was out of my element, away from my good friends, away from my, uh, from my church. Um, I, was, I was outside of my, my comfort zone um, spiritually. And I wasn't seeking the Lord like I, like I um, had been before when I was down here in my, in my community. And so uh, what I did, I, I looked around and, and I saw a lot of my, my friends, a lot of my buddies were getting paired up and they started getting married. And they started, they were dating these hot chicks, and they were all getting married, and I thought, hey, that looks like a good deal to me, too, and I'm like, I was like 34, and 
My mom's like looking at me like I'm, I'm an alien because I'm still not married. So I thought, uh, well, it's time. It's time. I, I got to find myself one of these hot chicks and, and get married. <laughs> so uh, there were a lot of those at school. So I, I, I happened to meet this one girl, and uh, for some reason she agreed to go out with me. And we started dating. And I think uh, from the very beginning, I was feeling a lot, of, a lot of pressure to, like, make this work. I'd never really been in love, and I didn't really know what that was supposed to look like. So I was trying to, like, look around and see what other guys and, and girls were, how that was working out for them. And um, as we got to know each other, this girl and I, um, we uh, started to notice some pretty fundamental differences. So we didn't, we didn't share the same faith. Um, she, was, she wasn't a believer. She wasn't a Christian. And I kind of thought, you know, that's not, it's not really a big deal. Like, I, you know, I, I was kind of away from my, my core support here um, down in Southern California, my, my Christian brothers and sisters. I hadn't really found a church up there. And I had started to kind of like um, not spend as much time with God. Didn't, I was deprioritizing. I was, I was starting to party a lot when I was up there. And so I thought, you know, this is not a big deal. So I, uh, she and I started, started dating. We started getting really close. And, but there were some really fundamental differences that kept growing and growing, but we just started to ignore them. And uh, it was about that time we started sleep, sleeping together as well. And the physical side of our relationship uh, began to blind both of us to some very real uh, red flags that I just, I just couldn't see. I just couldn't see, and I wouldn't acknowledge. And I thought I could change her, she thought she could change me. I was building this organization to like fight poverty, and she wanted a dude who was like some private equity guy who's gonna have like a nine to five job, white picket fence, um, you know, gonna be there all the time. And for those of you who know me, uh, <laughs> it's, that's not exactly me, right? So I was never gonna be that guy. So she thought she could change me. I thought I could change her. I was like, look, I gotta go to Africa. I'm building this thing. I'm, I'm gonna go there. It's gonna work out. It's gonna blow up. It's gonna be great. And uh, she's like, okay, you got six months. You can go there for six months, do this thing, but then you gotta come back here and, and you gotta kinda get a real job or maybe you can like run it from back here or something like that, but you need to be back here. So that was like this arrangement that we had kind of uh, worked out. And uh, <clears throat> the closer we got, so I basically graduated. I graduated in like uh, June of 2008. And, uh, you know, again, all my friends, they were all getting married. Everybody was having a great time. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'm with this girl. We seem to really like each other. Maybe it's love. I don't know. Um, we're already sleeping together. We should probably just get married. And so, I know, super romantic, right? <laughs> and so... I got a ring, and which that's a whole other story. Um, I, I don't exactly have a ton of money. And um, so I got a ring, planned out this whole romantic thing, you know, proposed to her. And even when I got down on my knee and I was like giving her the ring, I was just like shaking my head inside, just being like, what am I doing? Like, this is just, which is not, again, it's not something you want to communicate in that moment. And uh, so she said yes. And so we started planning, and, and I, was, I, was, I was a couple months away. This was, that was July. I left for Africa in September. A couple months away from going to Africa, and um, 
so we, she's like, hey, let's, let's start planning the wedding. I want to get all the planning out of the way before you leave. When you come back then um, next year, like in the spring, then we'll get married in June, right? And then you can, that's when you get your real job and we can kind of really get started living life. And so uh, I was like, okay. So we started planning the wedding. She got a dress. We got a venue. It was up in Mon- Bozeman, Montana. We got a band. Um, I, I had all these invitations, sent out the invitations super, she was super excited. I was like, this is crazy. Um, and in the back of my mind the whole time, like I started having more and more doubts, but I just couldn't shake it. I I was so confused. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and I, I honestly, I had, I'd gotten away from the Lord. I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the word. I wasn't praying. I just, I just, I deprioritized that part of my life. I was building Nuru, this organization that I, that I now work for. Um, I was getting married. thought that should be a high priority, so I was focusing on that. And I really deprioritized my relationship with God, and I was so confused. It was like one of the toughest times for me in my life. And I remember um, we were up, I was living up there with her in San Francisco um, right before I left, and I remember going for a run and being on the beach uh, right before I left to go to Africa. And I remember calling my dad, and I was just like, and my dad's like one of the wisest guys I know. We don't talk a ton, but when he speaks, like, I, you know, it's like, you know, God's like echoing out of heaven toward me, you know? And, and he was, uh, I was asking my dad, like, Dad, I just, honestly, I just don't, I just don't know what to do, you know? And, and he, he prayed with me, and I remember I, I, I was just, I just broke down crying on that beach. I felt so lost. I felt so detached from everything that I knew and I loved. And uh, got off the phone with my dad and went back and, and uh, was hanging out with her. And again, it was like this, when we were together, the physical relationship that we had really blinded me from all the, the red flags. And so I stuck it out. I said, okay, we're going to do this. So I went to Africa uh, to start this organization, started the project out in the, in the village and I, I think I've told this part of the story to some of you, but my first week was a really bad week. Like I, I book talked about the spiders and the ants and the earthquake and the thieves, and I got struck by lightning and all this like insane stuff. <laughs> and the first week that I was there, and uh, I wanted to quit. I, I saw my whole life falling apart. Right here I am. I got this. I got this chick back in San Francisco. I got a wedding date. All my friends had, you know, everybody had invitations. They were like RSVPing. I guess that's what you do. And so we were planning everything. And I had this really tough week. And I remember there was this man in Kenya, doesn't, doesn't know me very well, totally different culture. His name was Philip Mahochi. He'd become a really dear friend of mine. He was the guy I was starting this project with. And I remember going with him to his house. And I sat with him and I said, listen, Philip, I, I know... I know that I told you I would come here and do this work, but, and I never quit anything in my life, right? But I, I told him, I said, look, I, I just, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not, I can't do this work. I have a whole life back in, in the United States in San Francisco waiting for me. I have a fiance, we're gonna get married. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, but, but I'm just really lost right now. This is not, I'm so out of place. I'm, I'm so out of my element. And he looked at me and he, and he, he told me this, this pretty amazing thing. He's like, you know, you had a really bad week here this week. I understand that. But those, those women that we went to visit in the villages this week, you got malaria, you got medication, you got better. 
Those women in those villages, their kids got malaria, and many of them died this week. They had a bad week, too. And last week, they had a bad week because they couldn't put food on the table for their kids. They're starving to death. You had one bad week. They have a bad week every single week. But if you stay here, we can transform this region so these people never have a bad week again. And in that moment, God spoke to me through this man. I still to this day believe he was an angel. Um, He spoke to me through this man, and everything started to become clear. You know, he prayed with me after that, and I hadn't had someone pray with me in months. He prayed with me that God would give me wisdom to see and direction, to know the direction to go, to understand what my life was about and my place in this world. And that, to me, that was like this great light that God shined on my life. I began to see, my eyes were open. I began to see that this relationship with this girl that I had was not a good relationship. It was toxic. You know, I I couldn't continue down this road. As trapped as I felt, there was certainly a way out, you know. And so uh, the next uh, next day, I got on the phone with her, and we we broke up. I, I broke it off. Um, and we decided not to get married. And, and she's a great girl. Uh, that was the last we ever talked, actually. That was in 2008. She's, she's got a great life now. She's, she's um, uh, engaged again to a great guy. Um, but if I had gone down that path, a path that I knew deep down in my soul was just the wrong path, it wasn't the path that God wanted me on, everything would have been different. This organization that, that uh, we've built today to empower over 85,000 people out of extreme poverty never would have happened. Um, I never would have developed the deep friendships and relationships that I have. I never would have had this deep faith that I now have. My faith today is more real than ever before. But it was all because of God intervening, stepping into my life in a really critical time. And again, he kind of had hit me over the head with a baseball bat. I mean, that's some pretty severe stuff to get struck by lightning to get woken up, right? I mean, I mean, most people don't have to go that far. But for me... I really needed God to step in in a powerful way in my life and show me, shine this light on my life so I could see. I needed to see. I was so blinded by my lifestyle and the the activities that I'd gotten into. And so um, my encouragement to you today is, is listen, you know, talk to God. Ask him to shine a light in your life. What are some things in your life that that he wants you to see? Um, and ask him to show you in a gentle way so you don't have to, you know, go through a lot of the, the painful path that I did. Uh, that's it. That was awesome. If you could open up to John eight twelve, It'll also be up here on the screen. But I want you to have it because this is a scripture that I want you to hold all month long when the darkness comes in because the darkness will come in. The fear will come in. When you're in a dark situation, you're disoriented. You, you are confused um, and you're afraid. And Jake shared some of that in his, his particular situation. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said this. I am the light of the world. If you follow me. Notice that word, if. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 
On the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve, we're celebrating this. This morning, we're celebrating this. When J Jake is sharing that story with you, he's trying to say in, in that moment in his life when he was in complete darkness and the fog of passion came in, he needed the light. And all he did was turn to the Lord. And that doesn't mean that everything worked out perfect. Just so you know, Jake's not married right now, so if any of you single ladies didn't know that, <laughs> if any of you have any friends, he has no problem. But at the same time, it would have been easy, wouldn't it? That was not an easy time for, for Jake. When the light came in, there was still difficulty. But you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this is a difficult decision that we're facing. This season is a great time because it's a time where it's almost like you're in a lab. It's almost like where you're in a science lab and you know that you're going to go through these tests and these tests of fear because this is the time when fear seems to just creep up the most. Am I really a value? What difference am I making in the world? This is the time of the year when they have the most suicides. Doesn't make sense. We're celebrating that the light of the world, that's why we even have this season, that the light of the world came in and we don't have to walk in darkness and yet people are in such darkness they can see no way out and so they just want to escape so they don't have to face life because they're disoriented, they're confused and they're lost because they're in the dark. So as we look at this and we, and we go back to the original passage we looked at, Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And here's the crazy thing. That was day one. He didn't create the sun until four days later. So where's, where's the light coming from? It's from him. And this passage and these stories and the stories in your own life that you're like, if I was up there, what story would I share? Because some of you know what we're talking about. And some of you don't have a walk with Christ. You don't know about this light. But if there is light, it is God. If there is a moment where the fear leaves and light comes in, whether you attribute it to him or not, it is him. Because when he comes in, he reveals, he clarifies, he energizes, he measures, because that's what light does. So I want to invite um, a couple up. They, um, they're good friends of ours. I, I just shared, I have asked the people that I know to share these stories, because I know their stories. And they shared a story with me um, that I think of all the time. One, because I get to see their family all the time. But it involved um, their pregnancy. They had triplets. You think that's difficult enough, but it was more difficult than that. So I invite the Blums up to come and share their story. Jeff and Corey. This is where you say, yay, I'm so glad they're coming up. So we give Jeff the bad microphone. Yes. And we give you the fancy one. Yeah, we're the parents of the triplets. I'm sure you guys have seen them. It's hard to miss uh, our beautiful blonde girls running around. But uh, 2004, well, 2003, we had our first daughter and then uh, went through uh, 2004 is pretty hellish because... Uh, my job, I was in a bad situation, and uh, we were traveling a lot with our oldest daughter. She had a bunch of medical complications, but uh, we thought we had it under control. It was a rough year. 
We said 2004 and five, or 2005 is going to be a good year. We were relatively new in our walk together uh, with the Lord, and uh, we were just trying to find our way. So, in, but in 2004, we find out we're pregnant, and uh, we know multiples run on Corey's side of the family, so we were pretty excited about that. And we found out, we go to the doctor and have a first ultrasound, hey, you're having twins. But uh, I guess there's this phenomenon of a disappearing twin. So they say, come back in a couple weeks, we'll do another ultrasound, make sure that the twins are healthy and thriving. We another show, one appeared. Yeah, we, yeah, we show up and, and she's, you know, laying back, getting an ultrasound. And uh, I'm watching the screen and uh, one heartbeat, two heartbeats. I'm like, sweet, we're having twins. Perfect, we're good. And then uh, throughout the process, I'm looking at the screen and I see another heartbeat and I immediately, real subtly, ask the doctor, I'm like, was that, did you run over one, one, one more time? What do you got there? And he goes, no, that's, that's, that's the third baby you're going to have. And we, <laughs> I was like, doc, we are not coming back next week, man. <laughs> so uh, we, we find out that we're having triplets and obviously that takes the situation into a high risk type of pregnancy. And that was just a precaution we thought at the time. So a couple of weeks later, we go and meet with the uh, high risk OBGYN and uh, they divulge more information. We find out that the girls are, or two of the girls are monoamniotic, which means that they're identical twins in one sack. And then there's the third triplet, the fraternal in her own little bubble inside of my petite wife's womb. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we're having these meetings and these ultrasounds. Everything's going great. Uh, Corey, Corey's doing an unbelievable job. Um, and we're just thinking, we got this. You know, it's, a, it's under control. I'm panicking because my wife, three babies, that's a lot to worry about. I'm trying to take care of uh, our 15-month-old at the time at home. And things are getting kind of crazy. And the ultrasounds, and the, every week we are in the doctor's office. And... Uh, what they, and they had, they had told us at this point that every week we came in, they said, because you have a pregnancy that's so high risk and these two babies um, are sharing a sac, there's no membrane in between, um, you could come in and, and one could be not alive, two could be not alive, and you could, have, you could lose all three. So every single week I came in, it was like, okay, what, what's going what's gonna to be? And as a pregnant mother, you're so excited. And not, I had been pregnant with one daughter previously, and I loved being pregnant. Um, I had great pregnancies. And to kind of have that joy ripped from you, <laughs> because you don't know what you're going to get into. And you walk in every single week and just not knowing. And um, I know a lot of you have lost babies. I have never experienced that. Um, but I can only imagine the pain. And, um, and so it was difficult every single week going in there, waiting for them to say, this is what you know, is going on in your womb, and having no control at all. Um, and so we sat down with the doctors, and they said um, very early on, they said, basically, um, you can continue. You could have the risk of severe cerebral palsy, spina bifida, um, cord death. Cord death. Um, they, could be, they could be born completely brain dead, all three of them, or one of them. Or you could have one totally normal. Or you, 
there's just so many, so many different um, things that could happen, and they had seen them all. And they looked both of us dead in the eye and said, we've seen this, and you have a choice to make right now, and you only have a couple weeks to make it. We had until 16 weeks. They said, you can um, continue, and you get what you get. <laughs> um, or you can decide to reduce. That's, eliminate. That's the word they use. They do not say abort. They do not say, I mean, they didn't even say eliminate. They said you could decide to reduce. I'm like, I'm not at the drive-in at McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking, but reducing, like, down to, like, what, the, the little meal? Like, I don't understand. Um, and they told me the process. You can Google it yourself. It's absurd. It's, it's crazy that people decide to do that, but they do. Um, we decided to get a second opinion from one of our close friends who's also an OB, and then she said, as a friend, I'm going to tell you that you should probably reduce, because I've seen what can happen to these children that are born that are monoamniotic. And they, they literally said we had a better chance of winning the lottery than having a, uh, at that time, they said you have a better chance of winning the lottery than, get it, than having three healthy babies. Um, so needless to say, we're very new in our faith. Um, I instantly went to the Lord and I just said, you know what? These are your babies. I've never, ever believed that abortion is something that I can do. And you're going to give me what I can handle. So bring it on. And I think that we, we've, we prayed about it and we talked to several people. We talked to our parents. We... She's being very modest <laughs> because I grew up, oh. I mean, I was in the church. I grew up going to church and I understood the Lord. I understood you know, that he does have an effect. And at that time, like you said, I was still, again, I was still, I reverted back and I was very early in my walk, but for whatever reason, Corey wasn't necessarily raised in the church, but her faith was so unbelievably strong that that's kind of what I drew from too. Because when I got the news that they said, reduce and eliminate, well now Ava and Audrey. And just a little disclosure, our children don't know this story. <laughs> so they are a miracle, but just, and the way I understood the facts is, you know, not only Kayla would have a better pregnancy, but I was thinking about my wife. I wanted my wife <laughs> to make it through all this because there were certain issues that could complicate things and going through this whole process. But the fact that she's being so humble right now amazes me because it was her who initiated the walk with the Lord at the time and uh, for a week. I don't think I slept. <laughs> Because I'm going, you want me to what? You know, who, who puts that choice in another human being to eliminate your, your ch children? And uh, so for a week, didn't sleep, and literally, you know, wasn't a bolt of lightning like Jake had, but uh, <laughs> I was laying there, and I vividly remember star just staring at the ceiling one more night. And just a legit, probably the first time in my life, a legit sit-up <laughs> into that into that seated position in my bed. <laughs> and, and I stood there and I just, I looked and just through the room and I just said, man, this ain't our choice to make. I'm given. And I think right then I literally just said, it's yours. This entire pregnancy is yours. I don't know what to do or how to handle it. And uh, 
It was so easy earlier this morning when I was talking to her about this. <laughs> um, but it was that instant clarity that you get when you give it to him. It was an absolute peace. And, and, and it wasn't, and I don't think for me it wasn't like, please let me have three healthy babies. It was just, take it from me. And that moment of clarity, and if I was ready for whatever. If we had healthy babies, if we didn't, I knew I was going to be ready because I was in his hands. Yeah, so we continued. We had no idea. So back to the appointments every single week. We're walking down this road of we don't know what's going to happen every single week. Uh, we get to 30, 28 weeks. They check me in, um, and I'm in constant... Um, they're monitoring me. They're, I've got three of those things on my stomach 24 hours a day, and they're hopping all over the place, and it was awful. But again, there's a lot worse to go through, and I was just happy to have these three babies still alive in, in me. And uh, I remember very um, vividly, um, there were five doctors in our group. One was Christian, and my doctor was not a Christian. Great woman. Um, and I was glad that she got to see this and um, talk more about that later. But um, he walked in, no one was there, and he said, I really admire what you're doing and the fact that I know you're Christian and I know that you're putting this in God's hands and you really don't know what's going to happen and you haven't seen what I've seen. You're just an average person. You have had one child and you don't even know, yet you're still putting all your faith in God and hoping that this turns out. And um, it really impacted me at that moment. And I thought, um, wow, you know, I mean, this is a really intelligent man and, and, and coming in to thank me for what I'm doing and I'm just doing what every mom would do. Um, and I think really that's what this is all about the whole reason we had the triplets. And, and long story short, you guys have seen them. They're healthy. They've thrived. They were born. They were in the NICU for seven, eight, and nine weeks. It was horrible. It was hell. It was dark. I didn't know what was going to happen. But he gave us little glimpses. I call them God winks along the way. And, um, you know, he just let me know I'm here. And it's it's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know. Um, I mean, there were so many things going through my head. How are we going to do this? No, there's a lot of fear involved <laughs> knowing you're going to have triplets. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we, we had the babies in there. I send that group a Christmas card every year just to remind them these three beautiful girls are healthy they don't even have eye problems. I can't even tell you the amount of antibiotics they've had and blood transfusions. And they still have, you know, little marks from all the IVs they've had. And um, they're just, they're amazing. And I look at them and think, because they wanted us to reduce Ava and Audrey. And those girls bring so much light and love and... I could go on and on about the two of them, but I can't imagine our family without them. They'd complete this crazy Blum thing. <laughs> but back to the doctor, um, this wasn't about us having triplets. 
This wasn't about me being huge. We've all talked about how huge I got and how much weight I gained, and it's like Vietnam under here, trust me. Um, it's, it's not what it's about. This is, this is about, it, it's, this was, this was God moving in our life, which he's still doing. He did before, he, you know, during that, it was rough, it was dark, it was scary, but he just brought this immense amount of light and peace, and along the way, he allowed us to share with so many people, and he brought such amazing people into our lives, like Megan, and um, I could go on and on with the people that helped um, you know, my parents, and um, it just, it, it, it's a testimony to his love. He doesn't ever let go of us, even when we're grabbing him by that beard. <laughs> like Steph said, I so get that, by the way. Oh my gosh, we're going through a lot right now, and um, he's just so sweet in it, and um, and we still get to tell the story. And we still get to show his love to everybody all the time. Um, no, I think fear, fear and anger are two things that, for us, the fear in this moment was huge. Uh, the not knowing, the anger can be huge too. You know, why is this happening? I know Boogie and Steph talked about it. Um, but those are, the, those are the easy ways, is to get mad. And I think that it's okay to get mad, like they were talking about last week. But uh, I think through this whole process of being a parent and going through these pregnancies is, yeah, we asked for a lot at that time. That was a lot to handle. I didn't know what, it was, what was supposed to happen, but I said, you take it. I don't want it. You know, and he provided. And I knew he would have provided if those kids weren't here. We would have found a way to get through it through his light. And at the same time, since then, I'm finding that even the small things, it's okay um, to ask for those little things. You know, get me through the next month. You know, this thing's... Or, um, you know, even something even as stupid. I know that, you know, just a job. Can I, you know, can I have a job for another year? You know, just something stupid. I'm learning that you can ask him for those small things. He may not give it to you at that moment, but there, there's a reason, but there's a process. And I think part of that process is opening up that door and letting that light in because that fear and just a little twinge of anger can can just start enveloping you a little bit. And I, for us, just opening that door, letting that light in has really proven to be a lot. And uh, I'm not afraid to ask for anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. I thought I was gonna be the sobby one up here. <laughs> no, but I think that's, that's what we'll be doing. And it's not about us. I just have to like say that it's not about us as much as we're like, why are you doing this to me? Us, Mia, you know, I didn't see Mia for like a whole, I mean, you, the list is so long and it just, it's not about, it wasn't about us. It never was about us. Um, and um, they're just, they're a testimony to how faithful he is and how beautiful and how something so ugly can be so beautiful as Boogie and Steph said. So, let the light in. 